Hey everybody and welcome back to the SoCap Improv Comedy Podcast. My name is Ralph McLeod. I am the owner and artistic director of the SoCap Improv Comedy Theater in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, we're at 154 Danforth Avenue above the Black Swan Tavern uh, in uh, Toronto, as I mentioned before. We have, uh, we run or we provide improv classes for all levels. Uh, and our classes are at least equally geared towards people who do not want to get on stage, do not want to be comedians, but who have heard that improv might help me overcome such things as like my self-consciousness. And that is undeniably true that it will help uh, people, some people, many people, most people overcome or help to on the journey of overcoming self-consciousness. I like to say, embrace your self-confidence while overcoming your self-consciousness. Get out of your head and get into the moment. That's what I call it. And it's uh, it's kind of true. Um, every podcast has a sponsor. And today's sponsor is, uh, wow, this, this new uh, dessert shop is taking the Toronto by storm. So if you're ever out and about looking for some delicious uh, desserts, uh, don't uh, pass by Custard's Last Stand. That's right, Custard's Last Stand. It's uh, <laughs> it's a little big place. <laughs> ah, I make myself laugh. And that's that's really all I can do since I'm sitting in a studio by myself. Just make myself laugh. Uh, yeah, so uh, this podcast is about uh, improvisation, the improv comedy part of it, uh, and uh, why, what, how, how, to, how to make it work better for you, what's the benefit of it, especially, or at least as equally as important, if you have no desire to ever get on stage, what is improv going to do for me? And boy, oh boy, it's like the ocean. The further in you go, the deeper it gets. Which is a quote about the Tao. Uh, but there is a lot of philosophy and psychology in improv, at least the way I do it and teach it and perform it and practice it. And it has become an integral part of my daily life. In fact, I live my life by the same things that I teach on stage in improv. And uh, boy, I can't even, couldn't even begin to count or list the number of ways it has helped me. Well, I've already mentioned too, overcoming my self-consciousness. I hear this thing about imposter syndrome. Uh, and if it's what I think it is, the fact that people will catch me as being a fraud in some way, then that's, I for sure had that. Because um, I was born in a, to say I was born in a small town would be uh, wrong. <laughs> It's like saying an ant is a small insect uh, or is a small creature. I grew up uh, very remotely away from people. Um, and uh, I mean, I had my family and I had a very loving, wonderful family. Although most of my siblings uh, were getting married and moving away, not moving away, but getting married and having their own lives. Uh, so even though I had a nice, lovely family for the most part, they were very busy and doing their own things. And so I, I kind of grew up by myself. Um, so I had big imposter syndrome because I, I 
always, I, I was a hick, you know, uh, that's, I don't want to be insulting to hicks, but I came from a small, very small town. And what I really wanted to be was an intellectual. I, I you know, my, my dream as a child, or maybe not child, but as a young adult teenager was that, you know, uh, I would have loved to have parents who were university professors because I was kind of a big city kid born in a very small, like a farm. Uh, you know, I was on a farm outside a remote village, outside a smaller village or larger village, outside a small town. Anyway, uh, yes, so it has, it has made me a better father. Improv has made me a better father, uh, better friend, more attentive. Uh, the swings in my emotions are way more calmer. Like I don't have as big ups and this, and this crushing downs. Um, can't remember the last time I was truly, truly angry. Um, and, uh, frustration wise, you know, if it's not in my car being frustrated at people who block intersections, uh, then it's, uh, yeah, most of my frustrations are around driving and it's just how unsafe and how discourteous people are. But in terms of like talking to people one-on-one, -on -one, I can't remember the last time I was very uh, angry or was at a loss for words or felt uncomfortable in situations. And this is all uh, stems from, for me, from improv and how it has helped me navigate the world and people and myself. Okay, so uh, uh, I want to talk today about uh, why is this boring? That's, uh, you know, there's, and there's, and I don't want to just say there are only two reasons, but these are the big two. Uh, when you're watching scenes on stage or in class, why they're boring, uh, or why you might be involved in a scene and be like, oh boy, this is boring. This is so boring. I want to be anywhere else. And a little sidebar, if you are on stage and at a performance or in a class, and you're thinking that thought like, oh, this is so boring. Oh my God. Oh, please hurry up and have this end. You can be almost, almost a guarantee that everybody watching you feels the same way. Just please end this. Oh my God. Oh, how, much, how much longer is this going to go on? So if you find yourself in that situation, especially in front of a paid audience, uh, change it. There's lots of ways to change it. You know, want, you want to know some ways? Come and take a class with me. I'll show you some ways to change it. Um, because your, your audience will just pull their hair out and they won't, won't come back. So if you're feeling that way, uh, change it. Now, interestingly enough, as this podcast is about also people who do not want to get on stage, that is the same in the real world. If you are at an event, dinner party, whatever, casual place, and you're talking to somebody and you're like, oh my God, I want this conversation to end, you can be almost guaranteed they want the same thing. In fact, one of the ways I know uh, that people like me is I like them. If I'm with somebody and I'm having a good time, I know they're having a good time. I don't even have to question it anymore. And I know if they're not, they're awkward, and I'm trying to, f you know, I'm trying to fake it till I make it. I know they would just really rather we just call the whole thing off and we move on. So um, it's the same. Like on stage, if you're what you're feeling inside is boredom and nervousness and anxiety and you want to be anywhere else the people watching you feel the same way and that's one of the magical things of improv of which there are many but that's that's one of them 
what do audiences really respond to? Uh, well, that's sorry, that's not exactly what I meant to say. I meant to say that your audience will pick up on what you as a performer are feeling the same way that we can subtly pick up on the way people are feeling in the real world, even if they're trying to fake it. You know, it's, it's very hard to fake enthusiasm when you're not really enthusiastic. It's, it's hard to fake that you like somebody when you don't really like somebody. And uh, while the niceties, social niceties dictate that we do these things sometimes, uh, you're not really fooling too many people. Only the people who want to be fooled. Anyway, why is this boring? That's the question I wanted to talk about today. And uh, there, there are two main reasons why uh, when we watch improv, it's boring. Or when we're with other people in a social setting, it's boring. The first, uh, and well, I'll probably start with uh, the one that's the easiest to probably understand from a drama perspective or when you're watching improv. Uh, one of the first things that's uh, going on is the emotional stakes are not changing. So two characters are basically sitting down talking, but nobody is getting excited or angry or scared, or sad, or interested, curious, or proud. So nothing is happening emotionally to these characters. You see that a lot with just talking head scenes, where two people are talking about things, and maybe one character will present an idea of, well, well maybe we should do something, to which the other character will very quickly give reasons why it shouldn't happen. Uh, in a previous podcast, I think the last one, I mentioned uh, sometimes there are scenes where the suggestion will be skydiving. And so those scenes always start in the airplane, moments away from skydiving, and then the participants will never jump out of the plane. And what they wind up doing is sitting around talking and uh, basically now saying why they have second thoughts or why the other person talked them into it. And even curiously in those situations where they will express uh, some kind of frustration or anger with the other character or why they talked them into it, they won't follow through on it. They'll just say that and then they'll go back to like, well, I don't know how much longer we can stand here. The plane's going to land soon. We've got to make a decision. And then they never do. Um, but uh, yes, in, in those situations, the emotional stakes never change because we're waiting for them to jump out of an airplane and feel some euphoria or fear or something and they never do. Uh, so if you are in a scene and basically you're just sitting around talking and there's no emotional change, it'll be boring. Even if you're emotional, even if you're not just being boring talking, <clears throat> maybe you are in the middle of a terror, terror, or you're angry, uh, or everything is great. The great one is, is a little more difficult, but well, not really. In general, no, they're, they're all the same. So even if you have a strong emotional reaction, but it doesn't change, that will still get boring. So whether you have no emotion or a strong one and it doesn't change, those scenes will get boring. And I, in this situation, I like the analogy of a musical melody that you can have the most beautiful melody in the world, but if it doesn't change, we're going to get bored of it and we're going to walk away and we're going to like, okay, enough, enough, enough. Too much repetition too much not progressing onto the next thing. 
we are all hardwired storytellers and we know that there is a point to what we're watching. There is a, a, a point where it will move on to something else because we are building towards something. Now in, in the real world, conversations uh, just about dry stuff, uh, unless you have a keen interest in that, um, in that uh, the content of that thing, is going to be the same. It's it's uh, it, you know as a as an intellectual exercise it may be good, but when you're just sitting around at like a social function and you're talking to somebody and uh, they're just telling you uh, some dry material, you're gonna get kind of bored because the idea at meeting somebody in a social situation is hey how do we get along? Are we friends? Uh, or passing the time together, but just dry information is going to be uh. so. In those situations, you want to try to engage the emotion of the other character, the other person, and and here this sort of rule of thumb. Uh, sorry to use that expression. Sort of general principle is to uh, replace your desire to be. Uh, to, sh to show off or to be impressive with relatability and curiosity and interest, interest in the other person. Um, depending on what goal you have, right? You, you, maybe your goal is to get the hell out of there as fast as possible. That's a different thing. But if your goal is to be seen as likable, if you want people to like you, uh, trying to impress them will not work generally. I mean, work is a different situation, but I'm talking about in social situations, uh, but offering people your interest, your curiosity, your support, your listening, your non-judgment, these things will tend to endear those people to you. And the same thing on stage, replace your desire to say some amazing line that you've just thought up in your head or you were working on all day, trying to start a scene with and replace that with curiosity, relatability um what in the other character and build something together previously i've talked about you know how invention what you do as a solo performer uh in an improv setting is really hard to make that interesting and compelling but what we can do together the discovery that we can make together is often very compelling and the second thing that will uh uh reason that scenes tend to be boring is the uh there's a lack of agreement on what these people are doing in terms of they're not agreeing uh, their situation, they're not agreeing to who's who. One person might think we're friends, whereas the other actor thinks that these characters are lovers. And uh, that is boring because either A, as a viewer, you don't know what's going on, so it's not for you. So much like hearing the punchline of a joke and not getting it, you kind of tend to walk away because it's not for you. Um, or they, they don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. And uh, there's no compelling reason to watch because again, it's not for you. You might be missing something or they just don't know what's going on. And so there's no, there's nothing to relate to. There's no, there's no firm foundation from which to build something. There's no point. 
Another thing that happens, it's a similar thing in here where the, where in order to try to be funny, uh, actors, improvisers will say things that are completely unrelatable. Like, wow, you've got 38 kids. And you hear that and you just go like, what? No, you don't. People don't have 38 children. I mean, yes, it has happened. It can happen. And if it, and if you do say that in the scene, if you open your mouth and you just say, oh yeah, I get lost children, like 38. Uh, well, everybody is hanging on the justification, you know, what would come next would be the synthesis line that would make that make sense and make that relatable and might get a chuckle out of me if you can tell me why a character has 38 children, uh, you know, without being, <laughs> you know, uh, without being insulting to certain religions or certain people. Even the religions that you can't make fun of. Not in my class. We don't, we don't make fun of anybody. We don't mock anybody. It's a pretty good rule. Uh, I had a discussion in my class just a few days ago about mocking lawyers. I'm like, well, why? Why is that okay? Because they make more money than you do? Because you've had a bad interaction with a lawyer? Or just because of the general zeitgeist of lawyers are all crooks and all that stuff? Well, again, if you're doing this in front of an audience... And you think that's okay, anybody in your audience who's a lawyer will hate you. Meanwhile, if you say something nice about lawyers, they will love you. And what do you want at the end of the day? Do you want to be loved or what? I don't know. That's up to you. That's a different thing. Anyway, but for now, that's what's going on. So either scenes are boring. There's two things tend to be going on. Number one, the emotional stakes aren't changing. And that usually manifests by people just sitting around chatting. And every time they suggest some kind of mode of action or do something, the other person stops it. And we're just back to talking. And uh, the other one that tends to happen a lot is this is when you get uh, the two characters are in conflict with each other. Uh, you know, like, uh, my movie loves you best. Uh, no, she didn't. She loved us both equally. Well, what are you talking about? My experience, she was always doting on you. Well, that's not what I saw. I saw this. That's a conflict between the characters and without any kind of just you know coming to a conclusion as to who is right we're fighting over details the emotional stakes don't change and that's also a very boring scene and that that tends to happen quite a bit with conflict when the conflict exists between the two characters or three characters but it when it's that kind of conflict and nothing tends to happen and those scenes usually end with eventually one character capitulating but by then everybody's asleep and it's too late. So this is why we say yes. One reason we say yes. And so that's the one reason emotional stakes don't change. And the second reason is that there's no agreement. And nobody knows what's going on. Or people are making, again, the agreement side of that is bizarre offers that make no sense. Uh, like this is one I like to point out that was actually said in my class once where one character walked in, looked at the other one, and just out of the blue said, why are you eating your pants? Nobody laughed, as you would expect. But boy, oh boy, that sounds like it would be funny, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. And it's not funny. Uh, it's just bizarre without a lot of justification. So the corollary to that is you can definitely start a scene like that, but be prepared to justify it and make it relatable and make it understandable so that people will laugh at it. And why are you eating your pants? Times are tough. <laughs> oh, he still broke Yessie's pants. See, it worked. But it, so it's not like never do these things. That's why I don't have rules. 
but it uh, it depends on what you want to do and do you want to be nice to your scene partners or do you want to be mean to them? Do you want people to want to play with you or not? Anyway, I'm getting beyond the scope of this one podcast, which is, hey, emotional stakes. So have your emotional stakes change. If you're bored, cry, laugh, scream. There's a story, I don't know if it's apocryphal, about uh, the late, great Alan Arkin, who recently passed away, who would, when he was bored, would walk up to his scene partner, touch his forehead with his own forehead, and scream at him, you're driving me crazy. Now, I'm not advocating you do that, but the you're driving me crazy part, yes, that, you know, or cry or laugh. And the second one is, we're on different pages, so you always got to be on the same page. Again, if I have one rule about improv, and I'm not sure I do, but I, I think if I did have a rule, it'd be this one, the performers have to agree on what's going on. Um, and if they don't, it's, it's not going to work unless it might work in spite of itself. You know, we might laugh at you, but it's hard to laugh with you. You don't know what's going on. We might laugh at the train wreck that is your scene or that is your story of the real world. Anyway, that's my time for today. Thanks everybody. Uh, hope to see you all back here again next time for more, uh, SoCap Improv Comedy Podcast. And don't forget, go check out Custard's Last Stand. Uh, for all your custard needs. Ciao.